Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Good morning, Alan. You join us on a, a Tuesday morning where there's a lot of unrest, particularly in legal circles at the moment. Can I just get your view on the situation with the GRA and what is happening as we speak? Well, I'm very concerned indeed, as I think everyone in the country is, to see the escalation of the uh, issues within uh, on Garda Síochána. We know there's a crisis in policing at present, a crisis in recruitment and in retention of guards. Uh, we know that communities across the country, including in my own constituency in Dublin, but also in Wexford, for your listeners, we know that there's just not enough Gardaí out visibly on the street engaged in the important work of community policing and that needs to change. Uh, so, you know, the action by the Commissioner in imposing the new roster has has had this very unfortunate impact for uh, ranking file Gardaí and we in Labour, particularly through our Justice Spokesperson Aon Reardon, have called for the policing authority now to intervene, to stop the dispute from escalating further, to come in in good faith and try and ensure that there is a sensible sitting down and talking through what needs to be done in advance of the November deadline when the Commissioner has said, and it seems you know, uh, unfortunately he has said he's going to impose the rosters regardless and in the meantime we're seeing this Tuesday uh, ban on overtime through Tuesday, uh, through Tuesdays in October, and this will really have a very seriously negative impact on communities. So we want the policing authority to intervene, and we're we're calling for that to happen urgently. There are two sides to every story. In the interest of balance, we try to reflect that on this program. And you, as a politician, me as a radio presenter, it's our uh, it's our duty to do so. But what is there? Uh, where is the solution to all of this? The compromise comes well, to mind. Compromise does come to mind, and in every industrial relations dispute, a solution can be found if both sides are able to sit down together in good faith and work out a compromise. So in the Labour Party, we, and particularly our Justice Spokesperson, Aona Reardon, we have called for the Minister to stop acting like a bystander. She needs to instruct the policing authority to intervene here. The policing authority has a statutory role in overseeing the annual policing plan. Garda rostering comes within their remit, and I think it would be appropriate at this point for them to intervene and indeed for the Minister for Justice to instruct them to do so to ensure that the that, that this issue can be resolved before the November deadline when the Garda Commissioner is saying he's going to introduce the rostering like it or not and guards have said they're going to effectively mount a full-scale withdrawal of labour. So it's bad enough that through Tuesdays in October we're going to see this uh, withdrawal from overtime. That's going to have a serious enough impact on policing in our communities but, but clearly things could get considerably worse uh, if a resolution is not found by the end of this month. Well, if the Minister has that uh, job to battle on that front, there's another front as well because shortly after 11 we'll be hearing from a Wexford barrister because they too are uh, threatening to withdraw their services. What's your, what do you, what's your understanding of this dispute? Well, I'm very much I'm very much supportive of the criminal barristers and indeed solicitors who are withdrawing services today. Uh, they're at the end of their tether. They have seen no restoration of pay. It's not that they're looking for an increase. They're looking simply for a restoration of pay levels for criminal legal aid services. Uh, I was a criminal barrister myself for many years, so just to disclose that, and indeed was working in criminal defence. Uh, but you know, I'm conscious that other uh, other workers in the court service and the criminal justice system, like, for example, uh, you know, probation service DP 
GP staff and so on, they've had pay restored through public sector pay agreements, but there has been no pay restoration uh, since the crash for uh, for barristers and solicitors for criminal legal aid, and it's become unsustainable. I've talked with many barristers and solicitors who work in the field. I'll be going out this morning, Alan, to support them myself outside the Criminal Courts of Justice, because we believe that the Minister does need again here to intervene. And unfortunately, with these two big criminal justice crises, both in policing and in the legal services side, we're seeing the Minister acting as a bystander and just simply not doing enough mm. to intervene to prevent this sort of action from happening. So again, it's very serious that criminal barristers and solicitors withdraw their services for Tuesdays in October. We'll see again seriously negative impacts on delays building up more backlog and log jams in the court system at a time when victims of crime in particular deserve better. And of course those accused of crime also require and uh, and are entitled to legal representation. So this is a very serious matter and again we need to see an urgent intervention from the Minister. She's given no commitment that next Tuesday's budget will resolve the matter for uh, criminal legal aid schemes uh, and we really need that commitment. I sense from you and, uh, and what you've just described on both these fronts, uh, a deep unrest with the current Minister. Do you think her position is under pressure? Um, no, I think she can. I think she can act to resolve this, but I think she does need to become more interventionist. Um, you know, justice ministers have always had a uh, have often had a very difficult time. I think this minister is now facing a very serious crisis, and she needs to step up and and intervene. And again, you know, to me, this is symptomatic and to us in Labour of a broader issue where the government are too. Too, uh, uh, too ready to just appear as bystanders. We're seeing a housing minister, and you know, who, who in the face of this absolutely horrific housing crisis, a housing minister who's again not being interventionist enough. We need to see the sort of interventions on housing that we saw the government take rightly during COVID, and we supported those public health interventions then. But we need to see that level of crisis, crisis uh, ma- managing going on in the housing crisis and we certainly need to see intervention from the Justice Minister on the justice crisis. You led me into the housing situation there. I was going to approach it anyway, but like last yeah. week in the programme we heard from Fianna Fáil Councillor Joe Sullivan. I think he mentioned 627 applicants for six houses in the Gorey area. I mean, what can any party do to address this problem? If the Labour Party, Sinn Féin or anyone went into power, what could you do differently to address this problem, which is an absolute crisis at the moment? Well, the first thing is to adopt a greater sense of urgency and to adopt more ambitious targets. And I think, you know, where the government can really be criticised, and the housing minister in particular, is on failing to act with urgency and with ambition. So the government's targets for housing delivery are far too low, and their own experts have told them that. Their Housing for All strategy uh, only seeks to reach 30,000 new builds per year. We know that the real figure nationwide is closer to 50 or 60,000 new builds per year. Added to that, they have set themselves a target of up to 50,000 refurbishment and retrofitting uh, of houses per year, and we're nowhere near meeting that. So in Labour, we've called for an ambitious programme of house building to commence urgently to deliver the 50,000 homes needed. And again, I've engaged as the housing spokesperson for the party with many stakeholders who tell me that modern methods of construction, off-site building methods, can be used to deliver homes much more swiftly than traditional construction methods can do, and that we can with the necessary will and the necessary resources invested, we can deliver 50,000 homes a year. And that would go a long way towards meeting the terrible need that, as you said, is, is so clearly evident in Gorey and all around Wexford and every constituency in the country.
I mean, like the, the the general feeling will be that opposition parties will will put forward suggestions, but can they become practical? Uh, and you're saying that your suggestion could become practical if implemented. It is a practical suggestion. We've put forward measures to government, proposals that would increase security of tenure for renters. We've put forward proposals to improve uh, the numbers of people coming into construction through, for example, a really proactive recruitment campaign from abroad through widening the list of critical skills uh, for which people can come in from non-EU countries to work. So we've got a whole range of practical measures we've proposed right. to deliver on house building. And this week we're launching a campaign to tackle vacancy and dereliction across the country. We know from census figures there's about a 160,000 homes vacant or empty or derelict, unused, that should and could be repurposed urgently to provide housing. In my own constituency, I look around every street, even this morning now, constituents coming up to me telling me about houses on their street that they've identified as vacant, some cases for decades. And currently, there is no meaningful sanction. There's no meaningful sanction for people who are sitting on properties and leaving them uh, vacant and derelict. And there's no incentive no sufficient incentive for property owners to bring them back into use as housing. So we're calling on government now to step up, to do more, to maintain, for example, to initiate a register across the country of vacant and derelict homes that could be repurposed. Right. Extraordinarily, Alan, we don't have that. Each local authority keeps a register of vacant sites and a register of derelict sites. But the numbers of sites on those registers are just a drop in the ocean, uh, to the real level of dereliction and vacancy that exists in our communities and that everyone is aware of. So we need to see a far greater uh, urgency again taken by government in approaching this and a national coordination to ensure that local authorities are uh, mandated to move much more proactively on repurposing vacant and derelict properties for use as housing. And to be fair to the government, uh, Ivana, we had a Minister of State on with us from within the area who who, who spoke quite clearly of many millions being given to Wexford County Council to do exactly what you said there, but maybe there may be a need for many more multiples of this. I think he talked about over 150 uh, projects which would be brought back into the housing equation. So they are making a move there, but I I sense from you, you, you would like to see a lot more done in this area. Well, it's, it's deeply frustrating to see the slow pace of change. And certainly we have credited government where they have put in place constructive measures. Uh, for example, I put down a parliamentary question this year just to, to establish that there are now vacant homes offices appointed in each local authority. Each council, including Wexford, has an official whose, whose job it is to go out and identify these properties and seek to repurpose them. We're seeing in, in my own area in Dublin City Council uh, some move now on repurposing vacant homes and indeed vacant offices repurposing them as homes. So that's very welcome, but it's simply not happening fast okay. enough. And I asked Tornish about this last week, and he effectively told me that it was really up to the councils and that you know, central government had no role, which is simply not good enough. You know, we don't have, as I say, we don't even have a national database of vacant and derelict properties. That's the first okay. thing we should be looking at. So that government could then plan meaningfully as to how to put such properties into back into use as homes. At a right. time where we have... So many people, nearly 13,000 people in emergency accommodation on our homelessness list. It's shocking to see the lack of action on vacancy and dereliction. I want to take two more points with you before we conclude our conversation this morning. Landlords, I spoke to Father Peter McVurry last week and he shared some very interesting stories with me, worrying stories. He talked to me about landlords who are actually couch surfing themselves because they can't get back their properties. Where do you stand on the landlords that often get very severe criticism, perhaps unwarranted in many cases? Well, the first thing is that I think landlords, private landlords, have borne far too big a a responsibility to fix the housing crisis. It's simply not good enough that because the government have failed to deliver social and affordable homes, 
with so many people who should be able to get a social or affordable home. So many people are trapped effectively in a private rental sector, uh, paying rents that in many cases they can barely afford, uh, and, or in many cases unable to find somewhere to rent, and so living on in their childhood bedrooms into their 20s, 30s, or even 40s. So, you know, it's not the fault of private landlords that we're at this point in our housing crisis. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, mistake, it's a mistake to demonise or vilify landlords in any way because, you know, many of them, as you say, are struggling themselves. But I think the reality is that the government has to ensure that there are greater protections for renters because every day in my constituency I am meeting people who have been evicted or who are facing eviction and have nowhere else to go. Families who've been renting maybe the same house for years, the landlord is now selling up for a myriad of reasons and because of that they have no, you know, they have simply no home and it's, you know, that's simply not good enough. In an Ireland that is running record budget surpluses it's not good enough that we cannot supply housing. You know, we look, I've, I've spoken about the numbers of people on the homelessness list talent you know 3,000 children that, that's shocking that's that's absolutely shocking that so many children are homeless are, are you know doing their homework in hotel bedrooms because they have no home to go to no home of their own and they're simply nowhere affordable this is also by the way slowing down business growth it's slowing down job growth I've heard this from IBEC I've heard it from small firms that all of them are so deeply concerned about the lack of housing available they are finding it difficult to recruit workers uh, from abroad or even to recruit workers to come to Dublin to work because they cannot find accommodation so, you know places all around the country we're seeing a squeeze in accommodation in Wexford as much as anywhere else so you know we need government to deliver on social and affordable housing and that's the first way to, re- to resolve the issue but they do also need to provide renters with greater security of tenure. Final question, um, Budget 2024, what for you is the main priority? Well, housing. Again, Alan, there is just one priority and we're hearing it from everywhere. The government needs to step up with its housing programme to ensure that there's really significant capital investment to build more homes. It may sound like, oh, just it's easy for those in opposition to say. But the reality is everyone is, is calling for this. Everyone is clamouring for this, particularly the people who are facing eviction or in homelessness or who are struggling to buy a house and get their feet on, the, on a property ladder that seems increasingly out of reach. Again, young adults I meet all the time and not so young adults in good jobs but who simply cannot afford a mortgage. So, you know, the government needs to invest significantly in housing and that itself will clear a lockdown in recruitment. It will help companies, it will help employers, it will help small businesses. You know, housing is the single biggest thing that is slowing down our healthcare system because, again, it's impossible to recruit nurses for health healthcare staff to hospitals because they can't get accommodation. It'll it'll also help our recruitment crisis in the Gardaí, to come back to the conversation we've had earlier, because, again, guards are finding it very difficult to afford accommodation, new trainee guards. So, look, housing is the single biggest priority in this budget. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast Radio.